Well, beloved, we are moving along in our season of Lent, our season of Elnt, as we are affectionately calling it, to go with the name of God, El. And um, if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 17, Genesis chapter 17, we'll, reading, we'll be reading a few verses from there, the first eight verses, and then um, later on in that chapter as well. So Genesis 17, found on page 20, page 20. Genesis 17, we read the word of God. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then moving to the bottom of the page there, verse 15. God also said to Abraham, as for wife, your wife, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that, so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abram, Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for, the descendant, for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beloved in Christ, it was my freshman year in high school when singer Amy Grant was on her meteoric rise on every Christian contemporary music chart you could think of. 
Now, I was not big into that CCM scene, but there was a group of kids in my class who knew all the big names back then. Second chapter of Acts, Petra, Rich Mullins, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Twyla Paris, and on and on. And a group of girls got together and forced us guys to attend a concert at the Odium Expo Center in Villa Park, Illinois. Now, this was big stuff. We're going to see second chapter of Acts at the Odium, they excitedly repeated over and over. I had no idea who second chapter of Acts was, but I was along for the ride. Now, I didn't know any of the songs. I had no money with so when they kept passing the offering baskets down the aisle halfway through the concert, I felt foolish. And after that offering incident, I remember getting a headache, retreating to the restroom for a bit, and then just walking around the aisles of the odium, getting a bird's eye view of everything as the very loud music played. Eventually, near the end, I headed back to my seat, and everyone was wondering, where did you go? Just walking around, I said. Concert finally ended, and we made our way out to the front of the building and waited and waited and waited for a few of the parents to pick us up. None of us drove yet. That was my lukewarm introduction to Christian contemporary music. But then, two years later, everyone, those same girls, were talking about Amy Grant and her new album. This was before CDs ruled. No one had any way to play those brand new CDs they were coming out with. Now they're defunct, of course. Everyone still listened to cassette tapes or record albums. And I don't know, something inside me made me go to the Christian record store and look at that new Amy Grant album, Age to Age, 1982. Lead vocals, Amy Grant. Keyboard, Michael W. Smith. Brought it home, and the first song on the album was a piano intro based on Bach's fugue number two in C minor. And off the song flew into sing your praise to the Lord. Wow, this was glorious. Second song, El Shaddai. The chorus made up of partly of Hebrew words that at the time, for me, sounded a little German because it was the only other language I partly knew. But, man, that was a good song. I really liked it. And go figure, it won Song of the Year in 1983. That, beloved church, was my very first introduction to Hebrew. It wasn't anything that made me think, I should go to seminary now. No. That came later. But it was my introduction to specifically the Hebrew name for God, El Shaddai, that we're looking at today. El Shaddai. And incidentally, if you're thinking, how come Grunboom spelled it wrong all over the bulletin with that Y at the end? Because Amy Grant, of course, would spell it right with an I at the end, to which I say, what makes you think Amy spelled it right? It's a transliteration, of course, from Hebrew to English, and language scholars say either way is correct. Pronounced the same, they mean the same. 
El Shaddai, back then, I had no idea what the words meant. Amy, we're on a first name basis, as you see. Amy followed them up with, now wait, she didn't write the song, okay? And by the way, she, she did popularize it the most with her big album, but she did, and she did tweak it. She tweaked the original version just a tad, and the songwriter now actually, who wrote it actually performs it with that version of, with a version of that tweak. It's very interesting. If you want to know what that tweak is, you have to ask me after the service, okay? El Shaddai had no idea what it meant. She followed those Hebrew words up with English words. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of your name. Some of you are humming it in your heads right now, I'm sure. So maybe the English words that followed it give us a clue as to what it means. Age to age, you're still the same. Of course, that's referring to God. But what remains the same age to age? And what is looked at in our world as that powerful besides God, of course, and the answer is mountains. They're big and they're powerful and the same century after century after century. So literally that word or name Shaddai could be translated the mountain one. El, God, Shaddai, the mountain one. Mountains are strong, unchanging, powerful. And when we think about this in relation to God, surely we can go one step further and say that for God, because of his total unchanging power and strength, nothing for him is impossible. When he says he will do something, promises to do something, covenants with us about something, nothing can stand in his way. El Shaddai is a name that describes the one, the only one, for whom nothing is impossible. And God introduces this name to Abram in our passage. Now, God had already met Abram by this time, had had dealings with Abram. In fact, we first see an interaction between God and Abram in Genesis 12, five chapters earlier, when Abram was 75 years old. God tells Abram where he should go, where he should settle, tells him how he will bless him as a great nation, and Abram is along for the ride. But in these covenants God tells him about, he keeps saying Abram will have a son someday. But Abram is not getting any younger, and nothing is happening. Is nothing impossible for God, as the name El Shaddai implies, or are there some things he isn't able to do? Now, you remember from last week, I'm sure, that if you were here, that Abram and Sarai try to use Hagar to produce an heir, and son Ishmael is born. God makes it clear, though, this is not the son he has promised to Abram and Sarai. In the middle of all that, remember, Hagar, the slave girl, gives God a name, El-Ra'i, the God who sees me. But then we come to chapter 17. Now it's God's turn to tell Abram his name. Fifteen years after God's first appearance to Abram, God is ready to begin. The Lord God appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. There it is. I am El Shaddai. 
we translate it into English as God Almighty, picking up some of that power and strength and unchangeableness that we think of when we think of mountains. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. That's a good translation, isn't it? El Shaddai, God Almighty. Now, let's think about that name in the context of this story a bit. I'd like to point out four things that El Shaddai promises to do, four things that the God for whom nothing is impossible promises and then follows through on because he is El Shaddai. In this covenant, God promises Abram many descendants in fact, he changes Abram's name to Abraham, meaning father of many. You see what God is promising here? He is promising Abram, first of all, a son, a son. What must Abraham be thinking now? I'm 99 years old. Sarah's 89. This is madness. I hear El Shaddai, God Almighty, the one for whom nothing is impossible, the mountainous one promising that from me will come descendants and nations and kings, his name change notwithstanding. Abraham had a hard time wrapping his head around this. Then God Almighty comes right out and says it, prophesies it, prop promises it. Verse 15, Sarai, your wife, she gets a new name too, Sarah, Sarah will give you a son, and she'll be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come for her, come from her. God Almighty continues, and you will name your son Isaac, and with Isaac too, who's not even a gleam in your eye, with Isaac too, I will establish this same covenant. This was impossible. This chapter and the next one have, how shall this be, written all over them. But there he is. The bundle of joy, chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. He is El Shaddai after all. For him, nothing is impossible. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. A hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. El Shaddai, promise made, promise kept. God, you see, is all-powerful enough to make all his promises reality. What else? El Shaddai promises Abram, well, so that it starts with the letter S. I'm just going to call it stuff, all right? Stuff. I'll make you very fruitful. And that's not only with descendants, that's fruitful as in a lot of stuff. You're going to have the land of Canaan, verse 8. You and your descendants, it will be yours and everything in it. The whole land will be your possession. That's a lot of stuff. And indeed, Abraham had a lot of stuff. He's got a herd. We find out later in chapter 18, later in chapter 20, Abimelech brings sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And Abimelech gives him a bunch of his own land gives him a thousand shekels of silver. Abraham buys a cave as a burial plot when he's about to die. He divvies up his stuff, gives a bunch of his stuff to those who served him so well. And of course, the major part of his stuff, he passes down to Isaac. God promised Abraham stuff, and Abraham ended up with stuff. God Almighty, the strong and powerful God, a provider of stuff. But that's God's way. We run into the name again. 
Shaddai in Genesis 49. And now we're a few generations down the road. Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. By this time, Abraham was long gone. His family, his wealth, his stuff, his inheritance has grown exponentially. Twelve sons of Jacob, all receiving inheritances. And what do we hear towards the end of Jacob's speech when he gets to Joseph in verse 22 of chapter 49 and following? Jacob, doling out the inheritances and doling out words of wisdom, says this, Joseph, oh, Joseph is a fruitful vine because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you. These are all references to God. And then this, because of the almighty El Shaddai who blesses you, keep listening, with blessings of the skies, blessings of the springs below, blessings of the breast and womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains than the bounty of the age-old hills. That's what the verses say. These blessings come from El Shaddai. All the stuff that went to these 12 sons are from El Shaddai. And what did we hear? You've been greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains. Indeed, El Shaddai, though his name means literally God, the mountain one, because he is powerful and strong and unchanging and for whom nothing is impossible, described with a word that means mountain, El Shaddai. God Almighty is greater still than all those mountains and mountain ranges put together. God promised Abraham stuff in his covenant, and God made good on that promise. I mean, how does the psalmist so eloquently put it in Psalm 50? For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects, the insects in the field are mine. There is no limit to the almighty God's power, to his basin of blessing, his stockpile of stuff. Another S word, storms. Let me explain that one. I don't mean that God promised Abraham storms in his life, but surely God Almighty, El Shaddai, has something to say about what happens when we enter and have to travel through storms in our lives. When that, when that is exactly the place to which God is leading us, into the storm. What storm? Are you in right now? What storm are you in the midst of? We read about uh, we read about storms Abraham had to go through in the chapters following our scripture passage. One just just five chapters later, twenty two is the storm of the century. It's the storm of the century. Abraham, they're talking about that in California, right? The storm of the century. There's so much snow. The storm of the century. This is the storm of the century, truly. Abraham, at God Almighty's direction, must sacrifice his own son, Isaac, who's now a boy. He's the son Abraham loves. And God inexplicably tells him to go up on a mountain and sacrifice him. That's a storm I don't think any of us 
could weather. But Abraham obeyed. He went. And it got to the point of Abraham raising his knife to sacrifice his son, Isaac. That was the height of the storm, wasn't it? But thankfully, God restrained his hand. God stopped the execution. It was a test, an unimaginable test. We wonder, how could God ask that of a human being? Abraham was in that storm. And just like that, the storm abated. And the sun shone. What storm are you in? What storm are you going through right now? You need to know that El Shaddai, God Almighty, will see you through it. Whatever the outcome because El Shaddai is the God for whom nothing is impossible. El Shaddai is the God who always keeps his promises. El Shaddai is the God who always carries out his plans, and they are perfect. What storm are you in? The psalmist, again, tells us that even in the storm, even when you're dwelling in the storm, there is one who is right there with you. He or she who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, in the shadow of El Shaddai. What storm are you in? El Shaddai is right there holding you. You don't have to worry about that. He is there holding you. Trust him. You can trust him. In the face of our storms, in the teeth of our storms, we can see the face of El Shaddai, for he is there. His name, El Shaddai, tells us this is true. Last one. S is for sin. Sin. He promises sin. It'll get explained. He promises a son to Abraham. He promises stuff. He promises to be there in our storms. What about sin? Story's full of sin. Believing Abraham. He's known as that. The one we call believing Abraham. This is not his finest hour at all. Not his finest hour. And Sarah follows suit a chapter later. Abraham hears all this about a son in verse 16. He falls to the ground, face down, starts what? Laughing. We're told some of the words he said. We can guess a few others. Words like, this is crazy. No way. Never in a million years will this happen. Surely Abraham said a little more to himself than, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? In desperation and disbelief, he does afford El Shaddai, very gracious of him, afford El Shaddai a way out. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Huh? Huh? What do you think? The whole paragraph, though, could be summed up with, no way. Old believing Abraham is looking a whole lot like old doubting Thomas centuries later. Then Sarah, too, laughs in disbelief and lies about it in the next chapter. 
What does El Shaddai do here in response to their disbelief, to their sin? Two things. The first starts here in the Old Testament, whisks us off to the new. And while we're in the new, we'll take a look at the second thing, too. So first, what does El Shaddai do for this sinful disbelief by Abram and Sarah? Well, he forgives, right? God Almighty graciously forgives. I mean, why else would God insist that the name of Abraham's eventual son be Isaac? He laughs the meaning, or laughter. Both his parents laughed at the preposterousness of having a child at their age. That was wrong of them. They're talking to God Almighty, El Shaddai. God in his grace overlooks what they did, forgives it, right? Oh, we don't see them repenting or anything like that in the story. In fact, Sarah even lies about it, as we said, and the Lord calls her out on it. But I suppose every time they looked at Isaac, said his name, they remembered. Yep, we messed up there. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Isaac's very existence daily reminded them of whom they were dealing with. El Shaddai. And we know God forgave because in chapter 21, we read this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah and did for her what he had promised. Isaac was born despite her sin. God Almighty gave her a son. Despite both of their sins, El Shaddai gave them a son. Which zooms us over to the New Testament where we can say the same thing about us. Despite my sin, God Almighty gave me his son. Despite your sin, El Shaddai gave you his son. Jesus, whom God the Father set on a course to the cross to be killed sacrificed for all our sins, including yours and mine and Abraham and Sarah's. And God Almighty did not stop that execution. God Almighty was gracious to you and me and did for us what he had promised, took care of our sin, forgave it, paid the price for it. That's the first thing related to sin that God Almighty El Shaddai did for us. You know what else, though? This is about sin, too. Recognize this. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Do we believe he does that? He pays for our sin, forgives our sin, of course. But, but that verse says when we're tempted to sin, El Shaddai can help you out of that temptation and away from that sin. Wow. Do we believe that? That's in the Bible? What does that verse mean when we're tempted, when you're tempted to scream at a perpetually difficult child? What does that verse mean when you're tempted to despair when facing a life-altering 
illness. What does that mean when you're tempted to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage? Tempted to have an affair because your marriage is so lonely? Tempted to gamble away your life savings because you're so desperate? Tempted to drink till you pass out? Tempted to be lazy and not give your employer an honest day's work? Tempted to steal supplies from your work? Tempted to steal answers off your neighbor's paper? Tempted to disrespect your mom and dad? Tempted to go places online you want no one to know about? Are you going to rely on your own discipline, rely on your feeble attempts at staying pure, rely on your own strength and willpower? No. But you can rely on El Shaddai, on the Almighty God who brought you forgiveness at the cross. For he is also the one who is ready to hear your plea for help and open up for you a way out of that temptation into sin. Call on him. Rely on him every time. He is God Almighty. El Shaddai. Age to age, he's still the same and even greater he is than the power of of his name. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful that you are the mighty God, the almighty God, that you are El Shaddai, and that you do, out of your almightiness, grant blessings, you grant things that are seemingly impossible that you also carry us through those storms of life and that you also tell us, call on me, call on El Shaddai when you're tempted to rely on your own strength to beat a temptation. Call on me, call on El Shaddai, God Almighty. I'll provide a way out. I promise you. Thank you for telling us that. Thank you for reminding us of that again today. We really need to hear that. Right now, we need to hear that. Thank you for being El Shaddai for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.